Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Hi, Saints. Good morning. This is episode two of the letter to the Romans. I am so sorry I could not share this episode yesterday. I was just tired. Um, but we will complete it today. And I knew had I not shared it early this morning, I probably would not have gotten uh, a chance to share it today because I have a busy day ahead of me. I asked God to give me strength to share it today so that I wouldn't have to share it during the week. So, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, we completed chapters 1, 2, 3, 4 last Saturday. And we are going to complete chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, and hopefully 9, if time permits, today. Now, we are going to talk about peace and hope. If you want to catch up, if you are listening to this series for the first time, I suggest that you go on, go on my podcast page and find the letter to the Romans and listen to episode one so that you can catch up. Okay, I am using the NIV today, the New International Version. And it doesn't matter which version you are using in the end, we will be in the same place. So with that said, let's get this show on the road. I hope you are in chapter five, verse one, and I am reading. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Paul is talking to two different audiences, but in the same family. He is talking to the, the Jews who are Romans, who have converted over to Christianity from Judaism. And he is talking to Gentiles who were pagan worshipers, who have converted over to Christianity, all, both, through the blood of Jesus. So what he is saying is, through whom we have gained access, we have gained access, because we are Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. We have gained free access 
into grace by faith. Okay. In which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now, suffering back then was persecution. We basically today, especially in America, we are not going to suffer persecution for being uh, Christians, Christ-like in America. We may be talked about by our brothers and sisters within the church <laughs> for obeying God and living holy. But back then you would get your head cut off. So he's not talking about sickness. So don't let anyone use this scripture to deceive you into believing that Christians, you know, were to suffer sickness and, and poverty because Christ delivered us from that. Okay. So if we are involved in any suffering, it is the suffering of persecution and what's sad today, we have in the body of Christ or in the assembly, a lot of people who are not saved. They go to church out of obligation and they talk about Christians who are not messy, don't participate in gossip, who live a holy life and who are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the only persecution that we should be suffering today. Okay. Uh, let me read verse three again. Also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's patience. Persever and, and verse four, perseverance produces character and character hope. Verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And we really need to understand that. That's why your heart changed. It changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Okay, now we know that hope uh, of great future, future blessings will not turn out to be false. We know that that's what we should be hoping for. The Holy Spirit gives lavish evidence in our hearts of, of God's love for us. Okay, so we, we, we need to definitely understand that when Paul talks about character, he's talking about when our Christian character goes through hardship, hope of receiving what God has promised grows stronger. Now, we need to receive this in our hearts. Now, Romans is in my book is the most important letter that Paul wrote to Christians next to the letter to the Hebrews. Okay. So let's read verse six. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless, we had no power without Christ. Christ died for the ungodly. He's talking about us. Verse seven, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Please hear this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. You don't have to get yourself right to come to Christ. 
while we were still sinners and while you are still a sinner, Christ died for you. Okay, verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, whose blood? Jesus' blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, and yes, we were, anyone who is practicing pagan worship and anyone today who is not in Christ. But Paul is saying, look, while we were God's enemies, because anyone who is separated from the true and living God is an enemy to God. Okay, we were reconciled. We were brought back to Christ to him through the death of his son. We were brought back to God. I mean. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you guys, we did not have to make ourselves righteous before God decided to send Christ to earn our salvation. That is very important. I want you to please hear that. Okay. Even in hardship, we not only hope in God for future blessings, we also boast in God because of, of present fellowship with him through Christ. Okay? Through Christ. Verse 11. Oh, which verse did I stop at? Because I told you when I start talking and giving a short commentary, I look up from uh, my Bible and I use electronic Bibles. Um. Let me pick up at verse nine, because these scriptures are so important. If I have to read them over and over for you to get it, I will. Verse nine, since we have now been justified, meaning declared righteous in the sight of God by Jesus's blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Because his wrath is coming on those who are ungodly, who who are not joined to God through Christ. OK, from and that's the day of judgment from God's wrath through him, him who Jesus Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Whose life? Jesus' life. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Hallelujah. The only way you can be reconciled to God is through Jesus. It's through the blood of Jesus. Okay. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and I have to slow down here so that you can understand that one man is Adam. We're going to talk about two Adams, the first Adam and the second Adam. The second Adam is Jesus. Uh, verse 12 again. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one, at one man, that's Adam. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, that's how sin entered the world. So sin uh, been around since Adam and Eve. Okay. Verse 12 again. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. That's how we are born in sin today because of Adam. When Adam sinned, the ground was cursed. Man was cursed, and that's why we are born in sin and shaping in iniquity, and that's why we need a Savior. Okay? Verse 13. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, 
but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. And I mentioned this before. If there is no law against jaywalking, if you jaywalk, you can't be punished for that. So this is why this is why Adam really wasn't punished. He may have sinned against the Lord by disobeying his command, but there was no law against it. That's one of the reasons God had to give Moses the law for the children of Israel, because they were beyond sinning. It had to become a law. OK, in order for God to to, um, let's say, cast his judgment on man, it had to become a law. People didn't know they were doing wrong until the law came. And we are going to get to those scriptures. But I had to share that before we get there. Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Pattern meaning he is a pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, who is the one to come? Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. Hallelujah. The gift is grace. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, that's Adam. Many people dying because of Adam. Those who have not accepted Christ. Many people are dying because of Adam's sin. Okay, 15 again. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus, the Christ. Hallelujah overflow to many. That gift is free. The gift of salvation. Okay. Now Paul refers to Adam as a pattern. I want y'all to hear this. He is a pattern of Christ and draws an analogy between Adam and Christ. They are similar in the fact that their deeds have affected many people. However, their differences are more profound. And Paul gives a, a threefold contrast. First, Adam's act was a trespass, okay? A deliberate going astray. That's what happened. Christ's deed was one of grace. Second, Adam's sin resulted in condemnation and death. Whereas Christ's deed of grace brought justification and life. Third, Adam is characterized by disobedience, while Christ is characterized by obedience. We are in Adam by birth, but we are in Christ by faith. In Adam by, by birth, we are condemned and on the verge of dying. But because of Christ's redemptive work on that cross, we can be justified and live if we are in him by faith. Oh, please hear that people. Please hear that. We can be justified in the sight of God, meaning declared righteous in the sight of God. If we are in him, him who Jesus by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. Oh, my God. Verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. 
the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Verse 17, for if by the trespass of, of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more were those who received God's abundant provision of grace, excuse me, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just like Adam brought sin into this world, which uh, condemns man, man is born, your child, your baby is born in sin and going to be shaping in, in iniquity. And if you don't lead your child to Christ when he is at the age of understanding, whether it's age 10, 9, 11, or 12, your child is going to die and be condemned because of his sin, his or her sin. That's why it's important to introduce your child to Christ as soon as they have an understanding. Okay. Uh, verse 18 again, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. So also one righteous act result resulted in justification in life for all people. Christ is available for everybody. He is available to everyone. The ground is leveled to where all men can come to Christ and be saved. It doesn't matter what you did. If you want your child off of drugs, lead them to Jesus. If you want your child to stop robbing and stealing out there, lead them to, to Jesus before their life ends in prison. Okay. Lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we not only, uh, are guaranteed to be saved from the wrath to come, but you are guaranteed to be delivered from all unrighteousness that you practice now. It happened to me. I know this word is a living word because it changed me. I wouldn't be here today if, if, if I had not met Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's right. Verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. You are born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Okay. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. That's talking about Jesus. You are made righteous only in Jesus. You cannot establish your own righteousness and think you are reconciled to God. Your works of righteousness is filthy rags. God accepts the righteousness of Jesus only. And if we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, it's called being in Christ by faith. God sees Jesus when he look at us, but only if you accept Christ. That's why I push it so hard. Okay, verse 20. The law was brought in so that the trespassed might increase. Oh my God. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Verse 21. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This thing is all about Jesus. Now, just so people don't misunderstand God's precious grace, you cannot, um, let's say, take advantage of God's grace and, and live a sinful lifestyle thinking it's okay with God, because that's what most people think. And Paul sets them straight as well. So we, we, we have to understand this. Our purpose of the law was to make sin obvious and thus to make more evident the need for redemption. Okay. That is what Paul is talking about. So where, um, 
grace. Let me read 20 again. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. So what Paul is saying here is that the law was, was brought in so that you can understand this is where, where the trespass may increase so that you can understand what you were doing was sin was in violation, uh, to God's holiness. Okay. It, 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 you didn't know that running a stop sign was against the law. Well, then you can't be condemned for it. If you didn't know going into a store and, and taking something without paying for it was a crime, cause that's what the law is about you know, committing crimes, then you can't be punished for it. But since we now know that those things are wrong, if you do it, you have to be judged by it. Okay. So that's what the law was given to Moses to give to, to the Israelites for the children of Israel so that they can know what they were doing was wrong because they were sinning so bad and there was no, no law against it. So they could not be judged. But once that law came, Hallelujah. Once that law came, you had to be judged for it and you had to be condemned for it. But when the law came, now God had to put his, his redemptive plan in place, which was the grace in Christ. Somebody had to die for our sins because everybody would, would be dead now if it wasn't for Jesus. Somebody had to die for him and God sent his son to die for my sins and your sins. And you're going to turn your back. I'm sorry. And you're going to turn your back on Jesus. No, no, something ain't right with you. Something is not right with you. Verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's all you have to do is accept Christ. What I like about the uh, book of Romans, that uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans is when we get to chapter 10, it's going to tell you just how you can be born again. Yes. Yes. So now let's go into chapter six. We, we are on time. Uh, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? See, God didn't send his son to die on that cross so that you can be a successful sinner. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Verse two. By no means. This is the apostle Paul talking, the apostle to the Gentiles. We are we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Verse three, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may, may live a new life. So when we are baptized, Baptism is symbolic. We're talking about water baptism is symbolic to the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We are supposed to come out of that water being new creatures, having a new life, being dead to sin. The death of Christ, meaning dead to sin. OK, and then the burial, meaning our punishment for it. And then the resurrection, meaning we have been given eternal life as new creatures. Okay. So we need to understand that just because grace abounds doesn't mean you're supposed to sin more. Oh no, my God going to forgive me. I, I am uh, saved by grace through faith. It doesn't matter what I do. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, 
we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this or like his. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. And I knew this, these scriptures was coming. That's why I explained it before we got there. Verse six again, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to it. You are slaves to sin rather than being slave to God or being enslaved to God. Okay. You were enslaved to sin. So when you died with Christ doing water baptism, the death, burial and resurrection, your sin was supposed to stay in that water. <laughs> oh yes. So don't let nobody deceive you here. That's why they stay away from Romans because they know they will be revealed in their lives. Okay. Verse seven, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Your physical body, your sin is supposed to be, be dead with your physical body. Okay. While you still live. Uh-huh. Now those who are in Christ understand exactly what I just said. Verse eight. And why would you want to be enslaved to sin anyway? I I'm just curious because sin is basically wrong. What you are doing when you sin is it's called missing the mark. You being disobedient to God. It's called missing the mark. Okay. Verse eight. Now, if we died with Christ, we live that we will also live with him or we believe. Let me read that again. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse nine. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. OK, death no longer has mastery over him. Verse 10, that's why God had to come down in the flesh because he couldn't understand or he couldn't communicate with us. OK, uh, spiritually, because he didn't understand us in the flesh. That's why he put on flesh and came down here as his son. Now, if this is not making sense to you, it's because you don't have the spirit of Christ in you. And that's going to come up, too. Because uh, the wisdom of God, the Bible says, is foolishness to man. So this may sound like foolishness to you. It may sound unbelievable, but it's believable to me. Yeah, because the spirit of God is in me. Okay, verse 10 again, the death, he died, that he is Christ. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. See, that's what we are supposed to be doing as Christians. We're supposed to be living for God. Yeah, we're not supposed to be enslaved to sin anymore. Sin separates you from God. OK, and that is clear. We're going to talk about that, too. Sin actually separates you from God. Uh, verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There you go. So you cannot abuse grace. You're supposed to be dead to sin. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. 
We ain't under the law. We are under grace. There is a difference. With the law comes condemnation. But with grace comes forgiveness. Praise God for that. Because I was heading straight to hell. Under God's condemnation until I met Jesus 30 years ago. Hallelujah. Verse 15. What then? That's a question. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Paul is answering all the questions. Okay. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, used to is past tense. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. If you are going to be slaves to something, let it be slaves to righteousness. Okay. Now God's righteousness is Christ. So we should be slaves to Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to me, to be Christ like. Okay. Verse 19, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Paul is talking on their level uh, so that they can understand exactly what he is saying. He know he's talking to new converts. You got to learn God. Okay. You got to learn the difference between grace and, and, and law. And Paul know he is talking to the flesh. Okay, that's why he says I'm talking to, you know, let me read that again. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. See, the Christian walk is supposed to be holy. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, when you were, because he's talking past tense, you were free from the control of righteousness. Okay. Verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift of God is his grace. Now be clear on this. Please hear this. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay. Remember, sin separates you from God. Chapter seven, we are on a roll. Now we're going to talk about release from the law bound to Christ. Oh, verse one. Do you not know brothers and sisters? For I am speaking to those who know the law. Now he's talking to the Jews. He ain't talking to the Gentiles right now because the Gentiles were never given the law. So when he said those who know the law, he's talking to Jews. He's talking to the Romans. They were Jews that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. Please follow. Please follow. Don't let a person uh, fool you with this one scripture here. But anyway, he's not talking to Gentiles right here. He's talking to Jews. Verse two, for example, 
by law, a married woman is bound to her husband. Now her husband here represents the law. Okay. Oh, this is so important. Please hear this. Uh, um, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he, he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. Verse three. Now remember Paul is giving this as an example. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. Now, Paul ain't talking about marriage here and he ain't talking about a, a, a woman and a husband. Her husband represents the law. Grace represents another man. So if you cannot work the law and be under grace at the same time, that is what Paul is talking about. Verse three again. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, remember he got to break it down and talk to you, talk to them using the flesh so that they can understand it. She is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, here's the thing. The law died with Christ on the cross. Okay. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress. If she marries another man, that other man is grace. You cannot commingle grace and law. You can't do it. Can't do it. You have to have one or the other and one leads to death and condemnation. That's the law. And grace leads to eternal life. Verse four. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. Hallelujah. That you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. To him who was raised from the gra grave is Christ. He represents grace. You can't do both. When you were set free from the law, now you are free to marry another. You can marry grace. Verse five. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by, by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. That's what your works were leading to. You, you bore works that leads to death. Verse six, but now by dying to what once bound us, which was sin, dying to sin, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. The written code is the law because you already know if you are given a list of things that is wrong and that you shouldn't do, you know, good and well, your flesh going to make you try to, to, to do everything on that list. And Paul is going to give an illustration uh, between the battle and your recreated spirit, not the spirit of God. Cause that's no match. We have, when we accept Christ, we have a recreated spirit inside of us. Our old nature is, is our flesh. When we hear the Bible talk about old nature, he's talking about your flesh because that's dying. That can't be renewed. But your spirit man is the one that's going to heaven and that's been renewed. Okay. Verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. Didn't I give you an illustration similar to that? The, the law tells you what sin is. And we ain't talking about the earthly law. We're talking about the laws that God gave uh, to Moses for the children of Israel. Verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. So Paul is getting ready to speak figuratively 
about how our recreated spirit fights with our flesh. Okay, that's not born again. We have to keep our flesh under control um, every day. So, so listen, he ain't talking about himself. We got some uh, uh, teachers who don't understand these, these, these scriptures because they are not born again. Talking about, look, look what Paul was doing. You know, Paul was doing all that. No, he wasn't. He's speaking figuratively. Okay. In a way that they can understand. Uh, let's do eight again. But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Verse nine, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. He's talking about his flesh. Verse 10, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. Verse 12, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Verse 13, did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Okay. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. He put, to, he put to death his sinful members is what he's talking about. His body parts to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. He's talking about his flesh sold as a slave to sin because of Adam again. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. He's talking about the war between his flesh and his and his recreated spirit once he accepted Christ. OK, verse 15 again. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good because the law is the one that's telling him what he's doing is wrong. Um, what happens is your recreated spirit. Your new thinking is reminding him and condemning him when he sins. Now, if you are sinning and never condemned, uh, I'm here to tell you, and I hate to be the one to reveal it to you, the spirit of God ain't in you. Because if you have the spirit of Christ in you and you don't feel guilty when you do wrong, oh my, oh my, mm, that's not a good sign. Um, verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Sin lives in our flesh because our flesh is not born again. That's why when you accepted Christ, if you had a mole on your nose, that mole is still there. Your physical body, uh, you haven't been given your new physical body yet. Okay. See, that's what Romans is deep. Romans is deep. We're going to get to all that, that I just mentioned. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Not in his flesh he's talking about. That is in my sinful nature. Your sinful nature is your flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. That's a struggle. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, remember, he's speaking figuratively. He's telling these people 
how to walk in righteousness. Okay. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Or your version may say evil is always uh, present. Verse 22. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. And I know exactly what Paul is talking about because I struggle with this every day being around sinful, evil people. Oh, I want to jump in the flesh all the time. And I have a battle. That's why I thank God I have a private office. I can always go to my office and and pray and, and listen to um, uh, listen to prayers and listen to the word of God. That's what keeps me and sustain me. If you don't have a prayer life, <laughs> I, I feel for you because we're going to get to that too. Verse 23, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. See, our mind is our soul. Okay. Our heart is where the spirit resides. That's why the word says you have to renew your mind with the word of God, because your own nature only knows um, sin that it was born into before you became a born again Christian in Christ. And so if you don't renew it and give it something new, it's not going to renew automatically. It's not. You can buy your daughter or son a brand new car, but if you don't teach them how to drive it, that beautiful car just sit there. So you have to learn how to walk in God's grace. Okay, verse 23 again. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? 25. Oh, that's what he was leading to. He's telling people you need a savior. Okay. You need a savior. That's what Paul is talking about. Verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why he went through that and spoke on a level of your flesh so that you can understand that you need a savior. Okay. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned under grace. We are forgiven. Okay. Verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Your recreated spirit is saved, not your flesh. OK, and some false teachers use that to say that's why you can do anything you want. Your flesh going to die anyway. Your spirit man is saved. That's partially true. But if you have no convictions about what you are doing in your sinful nature at meaning your flesh, the spirit of God is not in you. That's the key. That's clear. Uh, verse three, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. OK, the law couldn't stop you from sinning. That's what Paul is saying. Do you hear verse three again? For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
because we know the wages of sin is death. Christ had to die for us because the wages of sin is death. He paid a debt that we ourselves don't ever want to pay. Oh no. Oh no. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it in the flesh by dying on the cross. Verse four, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We have to live according to our recreated spirit, not our sinful nature or your version or your Bible may say your, your flesh. Okay. Verse five, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. That's why you got to change your mind. You have to renew your mind with the word of God on the, uh, you have to renew your mind with the things God wants us, uh, wants for us. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me read. Uh, it's so early. I haven't had a chance to drink enough water. I've been drinking some, but uh, not the the usual 35 ounces I usually drink before I start. Uh, and my throat is dry. Verse five again, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Verse six, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. See, we can receive peace in Christ. Okay. And you can only receive that peace in Christ. You can't establish your own righteousness. I need to make that clear. So when you try to follow a religion that makes you feel good, that is you trying to establish your own righteousness. And God is not going to accept that. He is only accepting the righteousness that Christ did on the cross. Yeah, the righteous work of Christ is the only righteousness God is going to accept. So you can't work your way into heaven. You can't give good deeds on into heaven. See, right now, people are following their, the desires of their flesh. They want to be seen on social media. They want to be seen. Look at what I'm doing. Look at the good works I'm doing. You're doing that for yourself. You're doing that to satisfy your flesh. You are not satisfying God. And you need to hear this. See, this is the truth you guys are not hearing. Religion has never saved you. The law couldn't save. No one was ever saved under the law. No one was. The law was designed to convince you that you need a savior. Because Peter said, we couldn't keep it and our fathers couldn't keep it. He's talking about his ancestors. So you need a savior. Okay, verse 7 again, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That's why you resist when you hear the truth. Your mind is governed by your flesh. And you turn against God, you turn against Christ, you turn against Christianity because you're hearing the truth and your flesh don't want to hear the truth. Your flesh has the desire to keep sinning. You have to bring it under control. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It can't do it. Okay, verse eight, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. There you have it. I don't just say something uh, just off the top of my head. If I say it, it's in these holy scriptures. If we didn't have this Bible, we would be loose as a goose and, and on our way to hell with a first class ticket. Thank God for his word. When uh, those of you who work in the medical field, you know that doctors use a, a, a physician's desk reference that stays on their desk because sometimes they have to refer back. You can't remember everything you learned in medical school. Sometimes they have to refer back uh, to a symptom 
or a body part to, to try to um, diagnose an individual. They go to that, that PDF. When we want to know the things of God, we come to the Bible. How do you? That's why so many people are confused. You're following everything that comes to surface and that sounds good to you. That's written in Bible too. Instead of going back to the word of God. That's how you know what's true. You come back to this Bible. You don't keep, you don't be reading all these different things. You come back to the word. You need Jesus to be saved. As simple as that. You trying to go about creating your own righteousness is not going to be accepted by God. He's only accepting the righteous acts Christ did on that cross. That's it. And those who are in Christ, God has declared to be righteous. Okay, you are justified. You have been declared righteous only in Christ. That's it. Thank God for his word. Verse nine, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Did you hear that? Verse nine again, you, however, are not in the realm of this of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ or in your Bible. It may, it may say God. And that's just true. If you don't have the spirit of, 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 of um, Christ in you, you don't belong to God. You don't verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even through your body is subject to death because of sin. The spirit gives life because of righteousness. Oh, this is so deep. I'm going to read this again and break it down to you. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin. See, your body is not born again. The spirit gives life because of righteousness. It's it's the spirit is Christ's righteousness. That is what declares us righteous. The spirit of Christ residing in us. Please hear this. I don't know what you're scared of. Are you missing something? Because my life became better when I accepted Christ. It's a wonderful feeling not being enslaved to sin anymore. It's a, it's a great feeling being enslaved to righteousness through Christ. Now, do I sin? Yeah, because there's a such thing as unintentional sin. And there's a such thing as intentional sin. But those who are in Christ Jesus has uh, an advocate with the father. Oh, Yes. If we happen to sin, we have an advocate with the father, the Lord Christ Jesus, uh-huh, who is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins, I have a, I confess every day. I have three or four prayer sessions, sometimes every day, sometimes maybe five days a week, but I may pray one day out of those other two days or pray one time out of those other two days. Um, you confess your sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have an advocate with the father. Uh, verse 10 bears reading again. But if Christ is in you, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that's God. That's the father. Is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There it is right there. You have to control your body. If the spirit of God is in you, you have to control it. And you see how they equate Jesus and the father? 
<laughs> if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, now I'm saying the spirit of God in you, it's the same. If the spirit of Christ in you, the spirit of God is in you. And if the spirit of God is not in you, you don't belong to him. You don't belong. That's why you can do anything and feel good about it. That's why you don't, you don't um, have no condemnation whatsoever uh, when you sin because the spirit of God is not in you. I feel super bad if I do something wrong. I feel bad if I say something wrong to someone. I feel super bad. That's the spirit that's in me. My flesh is the one who gave me the strength to say something uh, inappropriate to someone, but it's the spirit of God in me who convicts me. Okay, you feel good about doing wrong to people. You feel good about not holding yourself accountable for none of your wrongdoing, not holding your children accountable for their wrongdoing. The spirit of God is not in you and you need to be told that. But the good news is the spirit of God can be in you. That's the good news. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. That's not our obligation. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, you see, this is something we, we are obligated to do. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. We have to do it. So people walking around, girl, be who you are. Be who you are. Don't change for nobody. Yet, yet you, that's right. Be who you are. Don't change even for God. Just go right on ahead. Because the word is clear. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So no, don't change. Keep on. Go keep listening to the wrong people. That's what I tell you to do. Keep listening to the wrong people. Telling you it's okay to do whatever you don't change. That's the world's way. Just be who you are. Mm, okay. Okay. Those Bible toting Christians. No, we ain't toting the Bible. We toting Christ. The spirit of Christ is residing in us. Ain't no Bible toting Christians. We are saved people. That's what we are. Verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So I don't know how you let people miss, miss uh, or deceive you in this Bible or mislead you in this Bible. Because these scriptures been here over 2000 years ago. They read a scripture to you that sounds like it's, it's favoring your sinful lifestyle. But no, they, they, you have to keep reading. Verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Verse 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Because people, the fear is referring to death. People, why people fear death? Yeah, that ain't coming from God. That's coming from the devil. You, I don't fear death because I know where I'm going. Ah, I think I said something there. I don't fear death because I know where I'm going. I will be in the bosom of Jesus. The Bible is clear to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I know I have the spirit of God in me. I've been born again for 30 years and I had to learn this stuff. Okay. Verse four, uh, 15 again, for the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, meaning slaves to sin so that you live in fear again. Rather, Cause you know, living in sin comes condemnation and people are afraid of the condemnation. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. We are adoption into the body of Christ and uh, as children of God through the adoption agency of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can become a son of, of, of God. Um, and by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means father, too. OK, so you can say, 
uh, Abba Father, but Abba means Father too. So all you are saying is, is Father, Father. <laughs> See, some, some people just don't know the meaning of, of, of certain words. But um, uh, the Greek word for adoption to sonship is, is a term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male, uh, an adopted male heir in Roman culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let me continue. Uh, in verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit, your recreated spirit, that we are God's children. See, if you don't have no communication with the spirit of God, with uh, your recreated spirit, because God can't communicate with our flesh. OK, so you can't work your way. You can't do enough deeds to be saved. After salvation, you do for people. Christ died on the cross for you. So do good to people. That's what that's about. In the Old Testament, you had to do something for God to do something for you. In the New Testament, God did something for us first by giving us the free gift of grace. So that means if God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Meaning you should love others. God did something for us. So now we do something for our fellow brother and sister. That's what that's about. That's the difference between the two dispensations. Verse 16, again, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, not your flesh. It doesn't testify with your flesh. It testifies with your spirit. People should be able to see the Christ likeness in you. Okay. Verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, the suffering is persecution. See, you have to know what Christ suffered. Yeah, he went to the cross because that's why he came here to die for our sins. But he only suffered persecution. Christ, nobody put their hands on Christ. They couldn't. You can't put your hands on God. Nobody put their hands on Christ until he was ready to go to the cross. And guess what? No one killed uh, uh, Jesus but God. God killed himself. For us, man can't kill God. That's why Jesus said, I will smite the shepherd. He's talking about himself. I will smite the shepherd. He gave up the spirit of God when he died on the cross. Mm -hmm. Man beat him and he felt every bit of pain in that flesh. Every lick he took was for our sins. So how can you not accept Christ? How dare you turn your back on, on the, the, the Messiah? How can you do it? And follow religion like the children of Israel kept doing. And that's why they kept being condemned by God following religion. They kept turning away from the true and living God. Wow. They couldn't keep the law. That, that's what the problem was. We ain't keeping that. <laughs> oh, my Lord. That law was the basis of their covenant. We're under a new covenant, the covenant of love. Okay. The blood bought covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That old covenant doesn't exist anymore. So you can try to keep it all you want. It won't mean anything to God. Okay, verse 18, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Because we are not finished being saved. I know um, uh, that's another teaching because uh, we are uh, still being saved because we haven't been given our new bodies yet. Our spirit man have been reborn 
and recreated and given anew, but not our flesh yet. Not just yet. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's why we got to preach the gospel. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, that the creation itself will be liberated, will be freed from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's why we got to preach the gospel. The Great Commission, go ye out and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, uh. Now, let's, let me talk about this a little bit. I don't want to leave you hanging. Physical creation will be redeemed at the con consummation of our redemption. Okay. At the consummation of our redemption, the whole created universe has suffered the consequences of human sin being subjected to decomposition. Now, futility and corruption goes along with decomposition. Okay. However, that process of deterioration is only temporary because God has provided hope of deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the time of our final redemption, creation itself will be set free from enslavement to decay and will share our glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 22, again, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Y'all understand what that is? My God, this world is suffering. We see what's going on in this world, suffering to be delivered, suffering people who have not turned their lives over to Christ, but following religion and, and uh, religion hasn't helped them. That's why they are suffering like dogs. They are groaning to be delivered. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, meaning a born again spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. See, there you go right there. We haven't been, we haven't received a new physical body yet. Only our spirit man is born again. And our spirit man waging with our flesh is groaning for that new body. So there will be no more war against the flesh. Okay. Please understand that. Verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. Yes, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. See, we still waiting on. We still have to live by faith. We are still waiting for our new bodies. We will receive it by faith. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? If you already have that new car sitting in the driveway, you ain't hoping for it. You already have it. So we have to hope for something that we haven't received yet, which are our new bodies. Okay. Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Have patience, my sisters and brothers. I want to encourage you right here. God ain't through with us yet. He is not finished with us yet. So wait patiently. Verse 26. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Our recreated spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, 
but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Hallelujah. I know mine does. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The spirit searches our heart is the spirit of God. See, that's a capital S. When it has a small lowercase s, that's our recreated spirit. But the capital S talking, is talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the ones who have been called are the ones who are in Christ. Okay, verse 29. For those God foreknew, please hear this. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, many people have been deceived with this scripture saying that God already chose the people to be saved. No, that's not true. You have to understand what foreknew mean. Foreknew or uh, uh, God already knew in advance because he is God who was going to choose his son, Jesus. That's what this is. We just don't know who it is. We don't know. He foreknew they were going to do it. He's not making them do it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to preach the gospel. Am I right about it? What he did, for, let me read it again. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he knew ahead of time. He also predestined them, the ones he foreknew. Once they accept his, his son, to, he was going to conform uh, them to the image of his son. He knew it, but he didn't make them do it. He just know it because he's God. He's all knowing that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn among, uh, among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And those he predestined, okay, to be uh, conformed to the image of his son. He also called those he called. He also justified those he justified. He also glorified. Now, 30 sound weird, but I read it just like it's written in the NIV. Verse 30 again. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And all this is because he foreknew it. He, those he foreknew would accept his son when he searched your heart. Because let me tell you something. Only God can lead you to his son. And that's why the, his spirit searches your heart. If your heart ain't right and, and ready to accept Christ, God is nowhere near you. He knows the heart of, of man who's willing to accept his Christ. I mean, to, yeah, his Christ, his anointed or his son. What he does is search your heart. And if your heart is not right, he leaves. If your heart is right, he tells you who Jesus is. That's what the Holy Spirit responsibility is to tell you who Jesus is. And no man can be told who Jesus is unless God himself reveals his son to that person. Hallelujah. This is deep, but you need to hear it. If you haven't accepted Christ, it's because God knows your heart is not going to accept him. So he's scooted on along. Now, not saying you won't accept him, but what are you waiting for? Your life ends today. You can't come back here and get it right. You will find out you going to hell all along. Yeah, you will find out that you are going to hell all along. So when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You need to accept Christ today. As I'm speaking to you, you need to accept Christ. Okay, confess that he is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which simply means that he is alive and seated at God's right hand. That's all you have to do. That's it. You don't have to jump on one leg. You don't have to eat a certain food. You don't have to follow no rituals. That's all you need to be born again is to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning he is alive right now and seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. That's all you have to do. And then find your, your local church who, who that is not a denomination, a non-denominational church who preaches Christ and him crucified and you follow Christ in water baptism to represent his death, burial and resurrection and come up a new person. Hallelujah. Let the truth be told. He, Jesus is the truth and the life. Oh, yes. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. Talking about God who didn't spare Jesus. He, he allowed Jesus to die on that cross. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him? With who? Jesus. Graciously give us all things. You are in the family of Christ now. You are in the kingdom of God. And all you have to do is keep the faith, have faith in God and his promises. And God will make sure you are given all things. He will make sure you have the basic needs of life. You wouldn't be suffering because I don't know how I'm paying all my bills. It's by the grace of God. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Nobody can. It is God who justifies. Therefore, verse 34, when who then is the one who condemns? No one. You can't condemn God's children. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. That's what I told you. And is also interceding for us. Whenever the devil, who is also our accuser, like he accused Job, going back and forth into the heavenly places. See, it's going to come a time he's cut off. He can't go back there. But right now he has access and telling God, well, look, look at Dr. Kamala D. Look what she said yesterday. And Jesus steps in front and say, she's mine. She's mine. You don't have anybody to intercede for you. Um, I feel for you because God is not accepting your excuse. He's only accepting Jesus's excuse. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Or you may have got, have God in your Bible. Same thing. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is talking to Christians. OK, you put somebody a post a scripture and people think that's for them. You ain't no conqueror if you ain't in Christ. You have to be in Christ. These scriptures are written for Christians. OK, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Verse, uh, no, we're still in verse 38. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. Verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you can't cut it off there. You can't cut it off right here where it says separate us from the love of God. What follows is that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What's in Christ Jesus, the love of God. 
that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You've got to be in Christ, not to be separated from the love of God. Okay, that's why these scriptures have to be rightly divided. You can't take a scripture out of here twisted to fit your, your perverted mind. You have to be in Christ. Now, we're going to stop here next Saturday. We will cover chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12. And then Sunday, we will complete the series uh, with 13, 14, 15, and 16. Romans only have 16 chapters. I hope you were enlightened by this. I, I hate to rush. I have to uh, go shower and get dressed. But before we go, I want to encourage you to continue to walk with the Lord Jesus so that you can experience the peace of God. Pray for others. Pray for your sisters and brothers. Because the war between our recreated spirit and our flesh is real. And we need to encourage one another to stay in the spirit, our recreated spirit, our born again spirit. Continue to renew your mind with the word of God so that you won't be warring with your flesh and give in to your flesh. No, don't be enslaved to your flesh, sisters and brothers. We read that we have to live holy lives, uh, simply meaning to be obedient to God, be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, until next week, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to Talking Bible Truth. CD at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message so don't forget to click the follow button you can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.